Every year I ask God for a word for our church for the coming year, and this word gives clarity and direction uh, to our church. The word for 2019 is the word increase. Say increase. increase. Now, there are three specific areas where I want our church to increase in in this coming year. The first is in the area of efficiency. The second is in the area of effectiveness. Now, we've already talked about the two this past couple of weeks, and if you have not heard these teachings, I encourage you to go to our website and listen. Well, today we're going to talk about increasing in the area of our efforts. Say, increase our efforts. Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9 and verse number 10. He said, whatever your hand finds to do, he said, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Solomon said, put some effort into whatever you are doing. I want to suggest to you five ways that we can increase our efforts. The first one is through intercession. Say intercession. I don't believe that we really understand the true value of prayer. Because if we did, I believe that we would do a whole lot more of it. As I look back over my 46 years of ministry, the most significant and lasting results that I have had came about through a process of prayer And then obedience to what God spoke to me in prayer. David Paul Yonggi Cho, who built the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea, with over 750,000 members, he was asked one day what his secret was to building the world's largest church. And Cho immediately responded, I pray. And I obey. If we're going to increase our efforts this year, it will begin through intercession. See, see, without prayer, we are powerless. Would you agree? I said, without prayer, we are powerless. And without prayer, we only have a program. Here, here, here's the deal. We, we find our vision through prayer. We find our vision through prayer. David, David prayed in Psalm 31 in verse number three. He prayed, he said, for the sake of your name, Lord, lead and guide me. And God said in, in Psalm 32 in verse number eight, God said, I will instruct and I will guide you in the way you should go. We find our vision through prayer. But not only do we find our vision through prayer, I would say this, and that is we fuel our vision through prayer. Vision fills our tank. Vision motivates us and and excites us and, and fulfills us. That is initially. But vision is just like a fire. It's just like a fire that you build. The fire is hot. The fire is blazing. The fire is roaring for a while. And then it it starts to die down. And then it starts to cool off. And eventually it is barely flickering. 
And so you must stoke the fire and you must put new wood on the fire in order for it to keep going. Here's what I'm saying this morning. We, we, fuel, we fuel our vision through prayer. Let me, let me ask you this this morning. What was it that kept the vision of Jesus on point? Prayer. Consistent prayer. Prayer as a priority. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35, it says that early in the morning before the sun would come up, Jesus went out to a solitary place and there he prayed. And Luke chapter 5 and verse number 16 says that often, often Jesus would withdraw himself and he would go to a secluded place and there he would pray. My challenge to us as a church is to increase our efforts through intercession. Because prayer and prayer alone will keep our vision fresh and keep our vision moving forward and make sure that we are on fire with our vision. Not only can we increase our efforts through intercession, but also through, through investigation. There are resources that are available to us at the Grace Place. There are resources that are available to us in our church that we are not even aware of. Everything we need to do what God has asked of us, not what he asked of some other church or some other group or body of people, but, but everything that we need to do what God has asked of us here at the Grace Place is already within our reach. But we must do some investigating in order to discover it. Such was the case in the familiar story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 families with five loaves of bread and two small fish. You find this story recorded in Mark chapter 6, verse 34 through 44. We know the story. Jesus had been teaching a host of people, 5,000 families to be exact. And the Bible said that Jesus was a long-winded preacher. Because the Bible says that Jesus taught the, the 5,000 families, he taught them all day long. And when Jesus finally finished his closing remarks and after Jesus did his takeaway for the lesson, he realized the time. See, he didn't have a timer on the back wall like I do. And the disciples, they, they, they came to Jesus and, and they said to Jesus, these people haven't eaten all day long. They've been here all day and you've taught all day long and these people haven't eaten all day long and they are hungry. And the disciples said to Jesus, we better send them away. We better send them into the town all so that they can get themselves something to eat lest they faint from, from being weak from not eating. Here's what I know and that is when challenges arise, we tend to make excuses. When challenges arise, we tend to make excuses. Listen, we can always find a good excuse for not doing what needs to be done. These 5,000 families were hungry. They needed to be fed. But what did the disciples do? They began making excuses as to why they couldn't do anything about the dilemma, why they could not do anything about the crisis. They said in verse 35, they said, this is a remote place. We're out in a deserted area. This is a desert place, they said. They said, oh, the hour is late, they said. Oh, they said, it's not our responsibility. Oh, 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 listen, listen. When challenges arise, we tend to make excuses. But instead, when challenges arise, we should explore our options. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did in verse number 38. Jesus said to the disciples, Jesus said, go through the crowd and see what we have. Here's what I know, and that is Jesus doesn't need a lot, but he does need something. I said, in order for Jesus to work a miracle, in order for, 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 for God to work in our life, Jesus doesn't need a lot, but he does need something. And the something that Jesus needs, we already have. The disciples are saying, hey, send them away. Hey, the grocery stores are in town. McDonald's, I can see the golden arches from here. The, the food is in town. No, 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 Jesus said, go into to the crowd and see what you have. We have what we need in order to work a miracle. We have what we need in order to meet this need. The Lord doesn't need a lot, but he does need something, and the something that he needs we already have. They found in that huge crowd a little lad that had five loaves of bread and two small fish. All he had was a little lad's lunch. That's all that he had. Not much in the hands of man, but more than enough in the hands of Jesus. You may look down at the little bit that you have this morning and say, what in the world could God do with the little bit that I have? Listen, God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. He just needs something to work with. And the something that he needs to work with, you already have in your hands. They gave the little lad's lunch over to Jesus. And the Bible said Jesus took the loaves and he took the fish. And the Bible said that Jesus blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And the Bible said 5,000 families were fed and there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Amen. One for each of the 12 doubting disciples as an object lesson for their doubt and unbelief. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor. At that grace place, we can increase our efforts through investigation. We can can walk through our crowd, and if we will walk slowly through our crowd, we will discover gifts, we will discover talents, we will discover abilities that are going unused, that are going untapped. Everything we need to accomplish the vision that God has given to this church can be found already in this house. I ask you this morning, what gifts, talents, and abilities do you possess that are going unused? I ask you this morning, will you take the the five loaves and two fish that you have? Will you take the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has deposited into your life? Will you give them over to Jesus? Because if you will give them over to Jesus, he will take what you have, and he will bless it, and he will break it, and he will give it, and he'll put his anointing and his blessing on the little bit you have, and the little bit you have, anointed by the Holy Spirit, enabled by the power of God, will be more than enough. Our efforts will increase when we hand over our something to Jesus. Let's notice the third way that we can increase our efforts, and that is through innovation. Innovation. See, through innovation, good can become great, and better can become best. See, alone we are limited, together we are limitless. Every bar can be raised, every level can go higher. There's always a next step up. So let me let me let me suggest two practical things that we can do that will help us get to the next level. We need to understand, first of all, that a wise man asks questions. A wise man asks 
questions. Proverbs 1 and 5 says, let the wise listen. Well, you think the wise are going to be talking because they got so much wisdom. But the wisdom writer said, let the wise listen and add to their knowledge. It doesn't matter how wise that you are. If you really do have wisdom, you will be wise enough to understand that as long as you're doing the talking, you're not learning anything. The only way you're going to learn anything is if you shut your mouth and listen to somebody else. Only when I stop talking and start listening, only then do I I learn. Listen, a wise man asks questions of wise people. That's very important. See, it's not wise to be the smartest person in the room. I said it's not wise to be the smartest person in the room. It's not wise to be the smartest person in your circle of friends. It's not wise to be the smartest person among your influencers. Only when you include people that are smarter than you and wiser than you and more experienced than you, only then can you learn. Only then can you rise to the next level. A wise man asks questions of wise people, and a wise man aligns himself with people of wisdom. I say this a lot. I know I do, but it is so, so, so important. Proverbs 15 and 7 says, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. Proverbs 18 and 4 says, the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. How are we going to increase our efforts? We're going to do it through innovation, and innovation comes best through a team effort. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. How many still tracking with me this morning? Let's look at yet another way that our efforts could be increased this coming year, and that is through instruction. Instruction. Now, it is initially, say initially, it is initially easier and more productive to do everything ourself than it is to teach and train somebody else to do what it is that we do. Because we've been doing it a long time and we understand what we're doing and we understand the concept and all of that. And so initially it's easier for us to just keep on doing what we've always done and continually do what we do ourselves because we've learned the best way to do it. We've learned some shortcuts. We've learned some things not to do. So initially it's easier and more productive to do something ourselves than it is to take the time to teach and to train somebody else to do what it is that we do. But here's the thing, here's the thing. When you do something yourself, you get the results of one man. When you do everything by yourself, you're going to get the results of one man. And what happens when you become sick? What happens when you become uh, unavailable? Then there are no results. And, and, and what happens then that, that day that you die and all of that skill and all of that knowledge and all of that, all of that wisdom and all of that goes with you into the grave. And so, and so all, although it was easier to do it all yourself, but no longer are you available to do it. And it dies along with you. On the other hand, when you teach something, you get the results of many. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, Jesus went up, the Bible said, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. He called them. He selected them. He, he called them individually, those he wanted. And the Bible says they came to him. 
And then it goes on to say, he appointed 12 to be with him. What was their assignment? Their assignment was to be with him. Their assignment was to shadow him. Their assignment was to be mentored by him. He appointed 12 to be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And then in Mark chapter 9 and verse 31, it says Jesus taught his disciples. See, when Jesus was on earth, he was limited to a physical body just like any other man. He increased his efforts through mentoring 12 men, 12 men that shadowed him, 12 men that ate with him, that listened to him, that walked side by side. He he increased his efforts through mentoring 12 men and then empowering them to go and do what he did. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, empowerment was given to not only the disciples and not only the 120 that were assembled in the upper room, but empowerment was given to any and all who would receive it. Jesus said in John 14 and 12, Jesus said, what I do, you're going to do. He said to the disciples, you see me heal the sick, you see me raise the dead. Jesus said, what I do, you're going to do. And Jesus went on to say, and greater things than I do, are you going to do? Why? Jesus said, because I go to the Father. And in verse 16, Jesus said, when I get to the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming and empowering the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter says in Acts 2 and 39, Peter said about that empowerment, about that endowment of power from the Holy Spirit, Peter said, he said, this promise of the Holy Spirit's power is, or enablement, he said, is available to you, those that he was speaking to that day. But he said, it's not just available to you. He said, it's available to your children. But he said, it's not only available to your children. He said, it's available to your grandchildren or your children's children. And he went on to say, it's available to those in afar off or those in generations to come. And he went on to say, as many as the Lord our God will call. How are we going to increase our efforts? We're going to do it through instruction, teaching and training and mentoring. And then along with this, by teaching our disciples or those that we are, that we are uh, mentoring to become filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, totally relying upon the Holy Spirit for direction of what to do and how to do it. Paul understood the increased efforts that came through instruction. He told Timothy, his son in the faith, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, what you have learned from me, he said, the lessons that I have taught you, what you have learned from me, he said, you teach to others. And then these others that you teach, he says, they are to teach to others. He said, it is to be a domino effect. Let me tell you this morning, if you are a ministry director or if you are a C-group leader, be on the lookout for people in your group who have leadership potential or ability or people that have a heart for ministry. Be on the lookout for them. Identify these people. And then once you identify these people, inform our staff of these people. Let's increase our efforts by identifying future leaders and then instructing them and eventually empowering them. The things that you are doing now, you need to be teaching to others. You need to be mentoring to others. You need to be passing it on to others who will pass it on to others who will pass it on to others who will pass it on to others. Amen. As we increase our efforts, amen, we can see much, much more done for the kingdom of God. 
All too often in church, we become territorial, territorial. This is my territory, and don't you mess with it. You might get better at it than I am, and they may replace me with you. That's all right. If you're, in, if you're replaced, you're supposed to be replaced. That means God has shut that door. That means he has opened another door for you. He has opened another season for you in your life. So don't be territorial about it. Understand that your job is not just to do your job, but your job is to replace yourself in your job so you can do another job. Let's increase our efforts by identifying future leaders, instructing them, eventually empowering them, and in so doing, we're going to duplicate and multiply ourselves and our efforts. Jesus did this. Paul did this. We should be doing this as well. All right, let's look at the fifth and final way we can increase our efforts, and that is through inclusion. I only have time for two quick statements here. The first one is everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has something to contribute. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, Paul writes, he says, when you come together, he's talking about coming to church. He's talking about having a church service. And he says, when you come together or when you assemble together, he said, each of you has a song, has a word of instruction or a revelation or a spiritual gift to operate in. Paul was saying, when you come to church, everyone should contribute. It should not be, we should not just be spectators, but we should be participators and contributors. And here's what I know, and that is everyone has something to contribute. And it shouldn't all be over when the service is dismissed. And sad, that's the way a church has become today. And that is, we don't do anything all week long, but then we come to church to get our church fixed. We come to church, and most of the time, it's just the pastors trying to prop up the people so they can make it through another week. That's not what church ought to be. And we just come and we listen to the professionals do their thing, and that's not the way that it ought to be. Listen, everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has a gift, and that, and that body needs every single gift. And it should not all be over once the service is dismissed. See, ministry should be taking place before, during, and after. I said ministry should be taking place before church, during church, and after church. Ministry should be active in the marketplace. Well, where's the gifts of the Spirit in the church today? Well, they should be in the marketplace. They should be in the marketplace. Don't just come to church expecting some spiritual calisthenics. And brother, if they're not better this week than last week, well, you know what? We just need new leadership. No, no, we need to be the church and stop just doing church. And being the church has more to do with when church is over than it does during church. Amen. Let God use you. And ministry is not just reserved for the platform or for church services. Everyone has something to contribute. And every contribution is important. Every contribution is important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27, Paul writes about the church being Christ's body and every single saint being a body part. The Bible says that we, the church, we, 
that call Christ our Lord, we are his body, and that every single one of us are a part of that body. You might be the hand, you might be the foot, you might be the ear. Lord knows we got more than enough tongues. Find your fit. Find where you fit in the body. Amen? Man, my, my hand is awesome. It does so many great Great things. It can brush my teeth. It can comb my hair. It can open the door. It can hold my coffee cup. It can shake somebody's hand. Man, I mean my hand. It can wave at somebody. Man, I mean my hand is awesome. But it doesn't work very good as a foot. I can't walk on my hands. But my feet, they're just as awesome as well. It doesn't comb my hair. It doesn't brush my teeth. I don't shake somebody's foot but it gets me where I want to go. Amen. Every, every body part is important. Stop. Stop looking at somebody else's ministry or somebody else's body part and say, oh, if only I was a hand like they are or if only, you know, I was, a, you know, whatever that they are. Just find, because every single body part is important. Amen. There's a place for you in the body. Ministry is not just preaching and teaching and singing songs. In fact, an hour and 15 minutes is our service time. Thank God for what happens up here on this platform for an hour and 15 minutes. But we're talking about 24-7. And we're just, re- we're, just, we're just seeing ministry go on on the platform. God help us. Amen. I've told you this before, but I love the story because it helps illustrate it. I have a, a man that was in my church years ago. His father was a, was a pastor. His father was a prayer warrior. His father was a, was a powerhouse man of God. He walked with God. He fasted. He prayed. He lived righteous. He had a great ministry. And one day he decided he wanted to find out where he fit in the body. And so he asked the Lord in prayer. He said, Lord, where, what body part am I? And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you're the big toe. And he got mad. Big toe? Man, I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. God, I walk with you. I talk with you. I, I fast a month at a time sometimes. I've, I've seen miracles before, man. I, I'm anointed man of God, and God, you tell me I'm the big toe? And God says the big toe is what gives the body balance. And he told everybody, I'm the big toe. I give balance to the body. I don't know where you fit in the body of Christ, but I know you fit. I know there's a place for you. Stop being a spectator and start being a participator. How are we going to increase our efforts at the Grace Place? We're going to do it through inclusion, including everyone, and by appreciating everyone's contribution. I could get some help on the platform this morning. Our takeaway for the message today is the quality and quantity of our harvest is determined by the quality and the quantity of the seeds we sow. That's a powerful statement right there. 
Let's determine to sow a better quality and bigger quantity of seeds. Father, I thank you one more time for your incredible, incredible word. God, I pray that your word, Lord, will do what needs to be done in the heart and the life of your people today. Oh, God, we've only scratched the surface surface at the grace place as to what you want to do in and through us. And oh, God, there's so many gifts and talents and abilities that lie dormant in our church. So many assets that we have that are not being used. God, help us. Help us individually to realize where we fit in the body of Christ. Help us to realize what it is that we have. Help us to discover the the five loaves and the two fish that we have. It may not be much, but God, you don't need a lot. You just need something, and, and you just need the something that we already have. 